Welcome back to Chris Dyer's Creative Friends, the super awesome YouTube podcast show that I do once a week where I get to talk to my super awesome creative friends that I meet, uh, starting with here in the Montreal, Quebec area. And today I am talking to Oak Locoboto, who I actually met this, this last month, but right away we got along really good. I could already call him a friend. He's very creative, he's very interesting, and I'm looking forward to picking his brain. How you doing, Tony? Doing pretty good. Thanks, man. Yes. Skipping Boom. along, singing my song. Thank you, Chris. Nice. Very nice introduction. Yeah, no problem. So uh, what does Oak Locoboro mean? Like, that's your, your artist name. What, what does that mean? Yeah, that's right. Um, well, it's just, it does have a little meaning. The, the O stands for obscene, the A for artist, and the K for king. And... Uh, <laughs> It's a, it's a little thing that naturally came back um, that we used to, used to be a little crew we used to hang out with, you know, back in high school in uh, Southern California. And that's what we called ourselves. And we all had little names and we played that game and all that stuff, you know. Nice. And um, that all, you know, we all worked away from that in life. And some people have families early. Some people traveled and, you know, became artists and did things. And um, it was kind of forgotten about. And... Uh, just naturally, uh, when my daughter was born, we were looking for names. And, uh, it, you know, for me, it had nothing to do with naming my child that, but it brought back those memories and, and such, you know. And it just felt natural because the glass career was starting right about that time. I was looking this for This is how name. long ago? Five years ago. Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah. So you've only been glass blowing for five years? No, 10 years. 10 years. Uh, the five years prior to that, I was pretty much doing it as a hobby. Okay, as so a, more as a career, you mean? Yeah, as a career, as something I decided to. All right, let's sit down. Let's let's make some money off this. So let's kind of like a your product brand name can, in a way. Um, the Fukushima fish would be my branding. the The chain work is also a, a branding item here in Canada. Uh, it's done by other artists in the states. Also, it's not as much of a exclusive type of shaping or technique. It's just, you know, well executed. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, no, I had to find something that was going to make it my own right. for sure. That That's part of, you know, having grown up in that SoCal lifestyle with all those people, that, that competitive, who are you, where are you from type of attitude. And um, that sticks with you, you know, you're, you're a product of your environment, you're, of where you, you, you come from. So totally. that whole full circle of things. When my daughter was born, my dad passed away, all these things just, you have a lot of time to think and put answers to all these things in a way you've been thinking about your whole life. Mm -hmm. So when that came back around, it was a natural progression to bring it back. And um, I, I don't regret it. It's uh, It's been confirmed many times. It was the right choice of, of a name for me. Nice. I always like uh, interesting artist names. I think, uh, you know, it's a good way to like remember people past their normal birth names. But... Yeah, I have a very... Uh, like you, you say my name tony for example and a lot of people think you're italian or something and i'm right. not italian i'm french canadian mm -hmm. and so i had to find a way to identify myself you know yeah totally yeah. well i actually feel like i met you recently you hit me up on instagram and you're like yo man like uh, i i know you paint murals what does it take to yeah. get you to paint a mural here? And I give you my price. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, come up. And you picked me up from my home. And you took me out here an hour away from Montreal yeah. in the countryside of Quebec. We're like, what, like half an hour from Vermont or something? And, uh, and you know, you're a glassblower. And right. I, I, know, I knew there were glassblowers in Montreal. But I, I never really think about it too much. Because, like, in general, even though Canada has got legal weed, the... I never really see too much glass blowing in Canada. Like I go to like Colorado a lot in Oregon and California where glass blowing is like a big thing, less here. And here I come and I see like, oh, it's a glass blowing studio. Like I've seen all around the world. Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, how, how where, where did you find my art and how, how you know how did you think of even like getting me to paint a mural on your studio all right well there's a long story and a short story <laughs> short story is it's a bucket list goal of mine to to get you know friendly with local artists as myself because of all the traveling and my background I was never really able to like establish something like solid long-term relationships just going in and out of places and so I want to, you know, be here for a while and I respect what you do. Uh, I respect the, the, the road you decided to travel down. And, uh, it just seems like it was a natural thing. I, I remember the time when I was at a stoplight in uh, in a part of Montreal where, um, I had this, this hat on with the grassroots logo here and somehow the, this dreadlock Rasta dude looking in the, the restaurant at me at the stoplight in my pickup truck was you, by the way, mm -hmm. notice the little label. I could tell you notice the label. There was like, you know, we were reading each other's minds. Bro. The grassroots. <laughs> and that's where I was going to lunch. Uh -huh. No joke. What then, uh, yeah. a restaurant in, in St. Henry, right? It, yeah, in St. Henry. It's a little uh, taco place on a corner. Mm -hmm. And it was convenient for parking, which is like an important thing, driving a car in Montreal, because it's not a convenient thing to do there. So, yeah, and it was just like, I went there for lunch like I was going to do when you were having lunch with somebody. And then you got up, you're about to go. And I was like, I'm going to go shake this guy's hand, you know. And, and then oh, cross paths there. And then you were doing, I heard you were doing a show. And then I um, asked a friend, hey, let's go to a show. And a uh, few friends that I'm friends with now also of yours were there. Like uh, Germ, Germ B, for example, Danny Rebel. What's up? Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just cool. It was a natural thing. It felt like. The total opposite than, let's say, what I experienced in California growing up. You know, it was uh, more of a non-judgmental environment. Be yourself. We accept you for who you are. Don't try to be something we want you to be. And and uh, that's how it's always been here in Montreal. And that's been a, been a big attraction of mine to always be here. And Right. That's what I find out Montreal. Like, people are encouraged to be themselves, even if that's, like, a weird thing. Or maybe I just hang out with that kind of people. Maybe I'm just surrounding myself with people who are authentic and real because I like to be authentic and real and thus I attract that and I, I, I'm spared of the fakers. Or maybe that's how Montrealers are. I'd like to think that we're all kind of at least good people that you know like to represent our own vibe, but I don't know. <laughs> I think we kind of have an easier time of, of uh, getting along here. We don't get, let's say, as rich as living in the States in Colorado that you were explaining, but what we do do is quality. We can do do quality and lower numbers, let's say, and uh, mm -hmm. you know make the best of it. And there's nothing to complain about. I mean, you know. I like living in Montreal. So let, let's start at the beginning because I know you started in other parts in California, right? Or yeah. you tell me your story. Uh, uh, born here. Interesting one. Yeah, born here. Um, was moved to California with uh, my mom. She met a guy that was from there. And uh, she like won the lotto, you know. <laughs> Somebody won the lotto for well, my mom for being a, a French Canadian girl from from here. Growing okay, up cool, but not literally. <laughs> having to you know pass the winters up here all the time, and she meets the guy from from California. Yeah, doesn't have to worry about that anymore, you know. So yeah, we went there, and uh, it was at that age when. Um, How old were you when you moved to California? Uh, five and a half, six. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, so I started elementary school out there, and you know, as a kid, you don't really know the borders and a different country and things i think you experienced something like that too growing up yeah and uh it's uh you just adapt you just make friends and you, you so know. you pretty much became a californian yeah yeah I, I have forgot about here for a while i didn't come back here till i was 10 years old okay yeah so for five years it was just you know and um when i came back here in the summertime when it's beautiful mm -hmm. and summertime in socal is hot it's kind of like the winter here, but the opposite. Because everybody's got to be indoors in air conditioning, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> windows up all the time, you know, tinted windows. It's a, it's that type of environment. And so it was pretty attractive here to, to be able to go outside and enjoy yourself and play. It was just like a constant springtime for me. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. So just Would you consider out. yourself like Californian to some degree for those years that you grew up as a kid? I still am in a way because, you know, I spent so much time there. I'm Did like you go back hybrid. and forth a lot? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Your yeah. dad was in the military or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. I worked in, uh, well, he was in the military and uh, then got in the fish business and did all, he was like a businessman. Did all kinds of traveling and stuff and brought us along with him. 
so we got that? to experience it normal it was normal yeah it was normal for me you know you're a kid you're adapting so the traveling was okay it was just different schools having to you know make new friends all the time but you don't know any different so that's what you do it's once you're let's say out of school and now you're young adults and you're getting jobs and it, you have a hard time let's say adapting to consistency of a nine to five that you're going to work towards a retirement for i was just wasn't raised for that mm-hmm. you know my ideal is a motorhome with a trailer that i work out of and i'm you know i i stop and i i set up shop at a friend's place you know that we we've been talking about working together for a while and you just go sit there you don't bother his environment too much because you got your setup and you can you know you bring your tools and you just you do your thing that's what i'm kind of made for in a way you know and that's what i'm trying to build mm-hmm. so it's um because i've tried it i've had the jobs i've had good success i've been in three unions i've uh, last job I left, I was doing uh, sixty-seven dollars an hour. Sometimes, you know, for uh, for work mm-hmm. in in the states because I had paperwork to be in the states back then. Okay. So, you so know, to, what would you say is the main difference that you see between living in California and Montreal area? Well, let's say there you have to make more choices on what you can do because there's so much going on. Whereas here you can get to do all those things and still have time to do other things, you know, and taste a little bit of everything. You're not stuck in a, in a very, like, let's say you're going to be a, a greaser hot rod guy, you know? So now you, your, your hair's like that. Your tattoos are like that. You commit. It's like a lifelong commitment. That's in Cali. Right? Yeah. yeah Cause it's just, there's so many people. So it's like, you, you can't be every, it's like you have to choose you know and and we're seeing that today and and you know what we're watching from up here down there you know and and seeing you guys like being forced to make choices down there that it's like you got to pick a team what, or a crew yeah, or yeah, a style that's, that's or all a they political put on TV. sports all that stuff uh, competing with uh, glass all kinds of competitions why does it have to be like that you know i even see it in my daughter right now and i don't teach her that and now she does it on her own with me because she sees it through the influence of, let's say, social, uh, the, the, what you see on TV, you know, on cartoons, mm-hmm. what you, you know, it's like she didn't see where to hit somebody or something until she watched TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't show her that, you know, it's, uh, so all that influence, all that kind of working towards like some sort of agenda, it seems to keep your way thinking like this, you know, it's. It's a lot to, to break through and adapt to on that scale when you're not used to always being like that. So I had to kind of take what at one point in my life I thought was a disadvantage because I didn't have stability and turn it into an advantage, mm-hmm. turn it into my favor. So you prefer living in Quebec? Then? Yeah, because people here want to travel. Yeah. People here, they, they they come back with stories and they're, they're even more cultured. They're... You know, I grew up with a, a lot of, uh, it's sad to say, but kind of closed-minded people where I was at, you know, and it was clean cut and this is the way it is. And, you know, everybody, that's that's your role and that's what you do. And, and it's, it's limiting, you know, and who wants to, I don't want to be limited like that. I want to explore. I want to live. I want to mm-hmm. learn things. But you don't want to live in the city neither. You don't live in Montreal. You live an hour away. You live in the, in the yeah. countryside. Yeah. Why is that? I can be myself a little more here, less mm-hmm. restricted. Um, I can go outside, you know, and feel free. I don't need fences. Um, I know my neighbors. They know me. We've known each other a lot the whole time. Mm-hmm. So it's more of that community feeling. If there's a problem, they'll come see me. I'll go see them. There's no in-between. It's direct. But how so, is it, for example, with you wanting to make an art career? Does it work being in the country, in the world of Internet? Or do you actually need some kind of a physical th- community to commune with well the the latter the the community is nice it's a it's a bonus Mm -hmm. before that's all we had so us older older cats we're kind of used to you know we had to make our make our way like that so it's nice to go back to that and enjoy that face to face but if it wasn't for the let's say ig you know the facebook all that all the, the youtube all that stuff 
uh, I'd be dead in the water, man. I'd be, it's a, it's a lot to ask of people to come see me here to see what's new. And, you know, I got to send them a photo. I don't know my text or email, like the way, the way it was before. So yeah, it's, it's all the whole timing of everything was just right in a way, mm -hmm. you know, cause I did practice for five years to, and wait, I didn't jump into it right away. It was something I, I was waiting for the timing to be there. You know? So you were glass blowing for fun. How did you learn from being in Cali or do you learn? Yeah. Out here? Well, part of the cannabis culture and growing up in, in California, because one of the things that herb was really expensive, you know, to, to get good quality herb back then. And, um, so we wouldn't roll joints cause I was just wasting it, you know, and, uh, we'd pack it in a bowl in a spoon or something, you know, a little glass piece. And so it became, became like a thing to, to have these like really cool heady spoons. Mm -hmm. And I was like a couple years younger than that crowd that was getting those pieces and buying them up. And so it just really put a carrot in front of me, man. And it was like a, something I wanted to achieve in life. Mm -hmm. But the timing was nice there. Pipe. To be able to make my own pipes, to, to, you know, maybe one day have my own plants and then have my own pipes. And wow, what a cool feeling to... Well, satisfaction in a way, because I'm that do-it-yourself kind of guy. Be so. self-sufficient in yeah. your high intake. Yeah, it's just part of building the confidence to get into other things to do yourself, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, like having a pet and <laughs> having a family and things like that. It's just, right. it's a learning process. So it took you like five years to learn and then you started doing it as a career. Yeah, pretty how, much. How's yeah. it been since then? Like, how do you? Oof, how um, is being a glass blower? Like, I'm so not a glass blower. Yeah. I observe you guys with torches and fire, melting glass, risking your fingers every two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> how, yeah, how is how is the how is it to be a, a glass blower? Like, well, it's pretty humbling and satisfying. It's kind of like being a surfer. I imagine. I've tried it, and it's really hard. I mean, it's doable. I look like a clown out there. It's not my thing. I'd have to, you know, practice more. Mm -hmm. uh, being on that torch, since it's not just you working, it's like, it's alive what you're working with. It's an element. It's fire. Um, on top of that, it's amplified with that oxygen pressure, you know, and you can control all that. So it's like driving a race car mm -hmm. while you're juggling, pretty much. It's a, you develop a skill of. You can't drop that ball. Yeah, like, you know, or spinning you, that, a basketball on your finger. The glass of, will break. You know, and you don't have to look at it no more. You know, you get that, that sixth sense development mm -hmm. that happens because it's multidimensional. And, and for me, you know, going back to moving around and being able to adapt to things easily, it actually challenged me. I was like, oh, shit, this isn't easy. This I have to try and I have to put time into it. Uh -huh. So I couldn't get away with, like, uh, cutting corners or... You know, it's, it's real stuff. It's if you don't treat it right, if you don't learn to work what you're working right, it's it's not going to lie to you. It's not going to fake it. It's gonna it's not going to work. And if you try to fix that, and then if you fix it good, even if you, it's still going to show. A good glass blower is going to be able to see. You know, there's those finger, those kind of like on a tree, those lines, those age lines. Mm -hmm. You know, if you cut it now, you'll see it type of thing. Well, mm -hmm. Some people can just look at a tree from the outside and read those lines. Right. So it's that type of skill that develops. Mm. So at the beginning, you were doing pipes, and then you did it other artsy things like sculptures and glasses. Do you make these glasses that we're drinking beer That's right now? The one you're drinking out of is my first glass. Okay, um, nice. The proportions are a little bit off. It's kind of like a Greek glass, kind of like a clay glass you would find or something like that. But the bottom, the 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 foot is very flat. That's something you look for. And the sides are very straight. So I know so little about glass. I think it's cool looking and I can drink my beer out of it. So I give it 10 out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. But that was a glass I did in a Eric Goldschmidt class. We were fortunate enough to have him come up here a year, well, almost a year ago. Okay. Uh, right before the lockdown and this whole situation. Nice. And uh, yeah, he came up here, gave a five-day course, like a 40-hour course. Cool. In Montreal? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Part of the school I'm involved with. Um, I help teach there. Uh, You're a teacher at a glass blowing yeah, school, right? Yeah, In yeah. the old port, I think? Yeah. Nice. How is that? It's, uh, it's incredible. It's, uh, it's great, the feedback of, you know, seeing them, like, accomplish something. Like, uh, every class pretty much. And speaking of cups today, that's what we did. Mm -hmm. I actually brought in, uh, the jacks. These are tools that we use to open up the, the, the small opening of the tube to flan, to open it up to. It always starts like long tubes, right? 
Pretty much, yeah. Okay. And you blow them and you shape them the size huh. you want. So you've done uh, pipes and bongs and dab rigs and glasses and sculptural pieces that also become into giant pipes. Yeah. Uh, chains, you told me. Yeah, we got some chains here. Glass chains that also sometimes have a pipe at the end of it. Yeah, this is a small diameter chain. You can you can hear it. Mm -hmm. When they're solid, you can hear it. It just oh, yeah. it's like butter. But when they're it's like a bird chirping. Yeah. When they're brand new, they're like that. They it's gangster. Yeah. Does it fit? Oh nice. Oh yeah. Hell oh, cool. yeah. Feel very gangster. Yeah, and then I got this one too here. It's a little bit different of the design. Wow. This is something I was dreaming up that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, you could actually, I'll show you here. Him. Yeah, with hemp. I had a friend. And this uh, is got like a. A one we call it. It's just like a, a one, one toke. Uh, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, for the concert when you, back in the day, you had to hide your stuff, you know, because uh, the security would get it from you. So it's in the back of So the you thing. just wear it like this and. Yeah, yeah, so fun little things like What's that. What's your favorite thing to make? The fish. I love making the fish. I mean... What's the I, most difficult thing to make? Uh, that thing looks complicated. Yeah, that I didn't do all the way. That's actually my teacher, 90% of it. Galen Goulenglass. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was fortunate... Well, he, was, he gave me the honor of putting my fish on his piece pretty much. Nice. Is what happened. It seems like in glass, there's a lot of collaborations where different people do different parts of the operation yeah. and things like that, right? Because you become known for what you do. Like some are really good at even just a little sticky to tap the dab or some are really good at, uh, I don't know, be. some are really good at the bowl or I don't know. like. Yeah. Yeah. Like here in Canada, it's, uh, it's still, it's at a great stage, actually. Oh, yeah? We're not missing out because we're, we're developing the scene. Oh yeah, yeah. Because there's less, there's not, it's not saturated. Right. Like it in, can be, but everybody's like playing in, playing good, pretty much. You know, like ninety percent of the people are playing well together. It's not so. too competitive. No, because there's enough enough aspects of it that you can cover. Like mm -hmm. it becomes obvious. Like um, it's like skating, for example, that you do. You put time in your move, and you're going to get good at it. You might even find a new move, and nobody else has found it yet. Mm -hmm. Somebody sees you do it, they're going to start doing it. They might get better at it, you know, quicker than you. All right, good for them. Me meant to be like that. But you You're start, still the one who made there's that There's that one. confidence that comes in with having done that move so many times. Right. You know that road. You know where to go with Do it. Do you have your own move? And, yeah, and this, this is a great the, example of that right now. The fish is your like, move or your technique or your own character. That's the way I play with the glass, the way I proportion the glass, I shape it. Mm -hmm. Like if you look down, there's always the X now of the eyes for the for that that symmetry i'll hold it like this okay yeah, so yeah. you see the eyes like that yeah yeah totally you know? and then like the size of the teeth also is proportioned to the size of the jawbone mm -hmm. that goes down the so it's specific yeah there's like calculations that have to do with proportions and you call this guy this is a, a fukushima fish okay so uh, yeah so it's pretty much after the big earthquake that all that nuclear radiation spilled out from japan in fukushima so you made it as a way to say that this is kind of, kind of like radioactive, uh, you Reminder. know, blinky the fish kind of situation yeah. that came yeah. out of something disastrous and that we should stop using nuclear or something? Um, or just maybe not stop it, but there's responsible ways of using things and irresponsible ways, but just be responsible about what we do. I mean, if there's no choice, I don't want to be, you know, judgmental and say this is better than that, but it's not my specialty. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, just being responsible about it. And this is this is more about being a reminder of those accidents of not being responsible and accidents happening and, mm -hmm. and just another one happening and people forget about it. Well, I stuck on that one. It fit. Like I said earlier, my stepdad was in the fish business. I was around fish a lot. Yeah, yeah, no, it's cool. I'm a Pisces, so I like fish. I love painting fish. Uh, when you hired me to do that mural That's right, and you told me that the, this Fukushima fish is a thing that you like, I was like, well... I got no option but to do my own version of the Fukushima fish, and I did a fish bomb version of it, which is something I paint around the world. So it's awesome. I got, I got gotcha. you. Do you think, uh, or do you feel like your art in general has some kind of message? Like, can can glass have a message? Oh yeah, yeah. That's what really actually before I learned that you could put a message in in glass, like people would do with other art mediums. Mm -hmm. 
it was just a tool for me. It was like a cool looking tool, a fancy tool, like getting a, uh, a fancy knife compared to a knife that just cuts. Like mm -hmm. both will do the same job, but oh, this one you're proud of showing off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like sometimes glass becomes this kind of like blingy, oh, it like, like, you know, rich hippie kind of way of showing off their, mm -hmm. their money because, hey, look at my fancy dab rig and my fancy this, my fancy, done by so and so. But, you know, does it still have like a message of making the world a better place? Is that possible? Do, do artists come off like that? I mean, there's places I've been uh, stateside where I'm not, let's say, as known as the artists that are, you know, help making all that possible, let's say. Those purchases from from those rich kids or whatever it is. And you're just like, they're, they're looking at you with your stuff. They don't know your stuff. They're like, whoa, actually uncomfortable because they they don't know yet. And But once, you know, you get to know them and the, the ice breaks and everything and things become, oh, shit, wow. You're, you know, you actually know what you're doing. You're making cool stuff. And it, you have to work every angle a little bit differently, I guess, you know. Mm -hmm. And let's say the market was that, well, I could come with something that will be exclusive and that nobody else has. And so now they can have that exclusivity of being the only ones to, to have that. And you have to kind of adapt your sales pitch, let's say, to that environment. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm around... A bunch of friends or something and we always hang out i'm not going to try to extort them let's say because it's not it's not the right situation these guys they believe in me um you know so you show love back you know it's uh it doesn't become about the money but there are certain environments let's say that those people are just about the money well they're gonna have to pay you know like i have a lot of native friends and in the beginning they had issues they were like oh you sell these things to to like a banker's kid or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, what's wrong with that? Let's say, there's nothing wrong with that. It's uh, let's say you're uncomfortable with the way they got their money. Well, maybe this is a way of getting that back. Mm -hmm. And what are we gonna do with that? Right, like money is not bad and having money is not bad neither. Like definitely somebody who's a rich kid is not a negative uh, no. mentioned. If anything, it's great that artists have a way to become abundant as anybody else should become yeah, abundant. Yeah, we all need support. We all need, you know, love in different ways. It's like a co-op. Right. Some people don't have the time to, to come hang out and and push you and believe in you personally like that. And they show their, their support in other ways. They, right. they buy your pieces. And, they... and art's always positive simply because it's an expression of the soul. But this is art that's tied in with herb which is a yeah. medicine for a lot of people. So it's almost like a way of saying like, hey, like smoking weed's not a negative thing where you want to do it in an extra fun way. Yeah, you you're know? not, I mean, We're this is not hiding it. Healing in many ways, like some of us at least. Yeah, it's not hiding it, it's proud of it. It's uh, showing it off. You know, it's it's not going to the, to the store or down the street and showing it off. It's going within the environment. It's accepted, being responsible about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you, you get these little cases that they're packed in and they're safe. And, you know, the people that don't know, they just think, oh, there's just somebody walking with a case. Right. But somebody's got their pride and joy in there, you know. And, so. you know, people collect it. Like, we're, we're collectors. I can see you're a collector. You, uh, I can see from your beautiful home you. that you collect toys, you like Legos, you like artwork from your friends. Uh, what other things you collect? Uh, all types of thing that, uh, things that will inspire me, you know, and connect and tell the story in a way, you know, like from things that I found traveling, people I've met, to uh, let's say on the inspirational side, for a while it was figurines, you know, and, and I was looking at those when I was starting to blow glass and dreaming of things I would want to do. Mm -hmm. I got to build a lot of models when I was a kid. So I don't have to really draw those things in my head. It's just, it's a, it's a natural thing. I you can got a see. sculptural understanding. Of yeah. Things. Yeah. Of certain things, you know, like this little plane, for example, is a, you know, it's a proportion type of, you can tell it's a plane. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not off. Because you had built you know? a few. Yeah. It's my first and only glass plane so mm -hmm. far. It's, you know. Nice. Well, I love people who collect because I myself am a collector of things. And uh, I think most of the guests that I have over, they collect skateboards and toys and all these fun culture pop items that, you know, that are dear to our hearts as mm -hmm. people who grew up in the 80s and 90s. 
which is uh, I think you're like similar to my age you're in yeah, your 40s, 80s, right? right? Yeah, 43. Early 40s. Yeah. So I can see from, you know, your home and your work and the fact that you have a nice studio in your back where you have different glass blowers working with you that you've achieved some level of success. Mm -hmm. um, it took a minute, but yeah, it's starting to come in now. Like yeah. The first couple of years, it's slow. You know, you're lucky to break even. Cool. It's just expensive to, to get into. Yeah. We have to buy materials and get them imported. So, you know, we got duties to pay. I can't really ship pieces back to the States and be competitive. Oh. You know, I did an event last week and uh, it brought a bit of popularity that I wasn't used to from over there. And I've had a few shops hit me up, want to do some wholesale. And after what I get taxed here, making it here, having to import things, the materials from there, having to pay more for my oxygen, the propane, it just doesn't make sense. The, all the materials, the glass comes from the States? That I use the high quality stuff. Yeah, I mm -hmm. could... I could, you know, cut corners and have, you know, really pushed my, let's say, using other source material, like from China, which is a lower quality. It's not as stable, consistent. Uh, I might waste a lot more because I have to take this off and redo this. And so time and material. So you have to, you know, put all that in the numbers and crunch it and what makes sense. Yeah, I understand because I used to do my brand pasta creations from Montreal. Mm -hmm. And most of my clients were in the States because the Americans like to buy stuff it's a big uh, way more than the Canadians. The Canadians seem a little bit more satisfied with the amount of stuff they have, but the Americans are always buying more. Uh, and because I had to ship from Canada and custom taxes, it just made it so much more difficult. I wasn't competitive towards other artists. So now my yep. brand comes out of Colorado, out of Denver. There you go. And yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to kind of set things up like that. So, I mean, at the same time, I don't want to turn this into a production type of thing because I've done a lot of things in the past, different type of jobs. So I really want to keep this where it's I, I have pleasure doing it. And if I'm repeating something, it's because I'm trying to, you know, evolve it. And it's a little bit different each time anyway. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be that same. Crystallize it, perfect it, improve it. Yeah, like each one has like a, you can have a connection between this fish, the last fish, and so on down the line it's like domino all, pieces yeah they'll all share like a connection some sort of similar part i put on there that matches mm -hmm. so you kind of maybe in a show one day <clears throat> have them all line up and you can tell their age <laughs> mm. so where's your clientele mostly canada yeah, yeah. like that, toronto or a lot of ontarians Shout out Ontario. Thank you. No, for it's not even British Columbia where weed as uh, a little bit is starting to get out there. Yeah, I got a few pieces that got out there this year. Um, they used to have a show out there, the Great Canadian Glass Gathering. Uh -huh. um, yeah, and uh, I had a good client of mine that brought a few pieces out there and showed them off. And, how how do you succeed in this whole game of doing glass? Do you got to kill it at social media and become uh, like create some kind of hype? Or is there some other kind of way organic? Like, how have you done it? Oh, I, social I, media once is not I, even your thing that much, eh? Not that much, no. Um, what happened is when I pulled out the first fish out of my pocket at a small cannabis sesh gathering and people got around me and I seen their reaction, I knew I had something. And I had to figure out, like, how to roll with this thing. And once that happened... This is the type of, of possibility that it could be, let's say, if you do it right, you know, 10 to 1 return on your investment for your time. So you want to find that very specific thing that you can be efficient at and do it like that. Mm -hmm. You know, so you uh, want to have your thing. Yeah. And you probably have your own techniques to achieve that thing. Yeah. I don't even know how to ask you what's your technique. Like, I don't even really understand what a technique in glass is. But, for example, I got a friend in Oregon, uh, uh, Mike Gong. I know he's known know. for his acid eaters, which yep. is like a crazy-eyed situation. Mm -hmm. And I don't even understand the technique of that, but I understand there's a technique to get to that. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah he's very well known in the, in the industry, in the collector world. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so those are uh, using implosions, for example. You know, And he just... It's just crisp, and that's his thing. There's people out there that try to copy it, and you can get one, you know, for less, whatever. But 
Is that what you want? You want a fake one? No, you want the real thing. Mm -hmm. So if you're patient enough and you work hard enough, you're going to get the real thing. Mm -hmm. And with, you know, his reputation for really having belief. I mean, there's times when it wasn't always like that for him, you know, for all those artists that are at that point. You always have to, you know, kind of find your thing. But when you get it, it allows so many other things. Let's say when I make a, a rubber chicken out of glass now, it's not like, oh, shit, you know, like trying to sell it for 50 bucks, you know, like, no, no. It's like, oh, you want this. It's $500, let's say, because I don't always make a rubber chicken, but I made it very well. And now it's worth that. It's mm -hmm. because now you're you're known more for it's like a one time situation. Yeah. Glass in general seems very like expensive. When I talk to uh glass blower friends, it seems like they sell like, you know, glass rigs for like five G, ten G, like, you know, sometimes I hear uh banjo selling stuff for oh. several, several G. Oh yeah. Um you can almost buy a house. Wow, how come it's so expensive? Because is that more? It seems also kind of fast. Well, sometimes. earlier I was talking about levels, like when you got that trick, you know, and you're talking about guys that have been doing this as long as you've been painting and traveling and doing what you do, and you know, guys doing what I do, and you know, it's uh, I've only been blowing glasses. It's a new thing for me. So those are, you know, if I'm lucky, a mentor maybe one day, you mm -hmm. know, that'd be awesome. But yeah, you admire their work, and it's part of that that drive, that uh, inspiration, trying to figure out how they, how they made that, you know. Mm -hmm. so right, what's, uh, what's some uh, glass blowers that you look up to that you're a fan of? Hmm, at the moment, I'm intrigued by how the soft glass world has been brought into the boro world with- uh, The boro world? The borosilicate boro is the type of glass we use. Okay. So there's like a coefficient, like a number behind it that makes it adaptable to to that number only. And okay. Yeah. This is very so, technical stuff that I don't understand. I'm trying to like bring it in a more layman term. Uh -huh. So let's say you have a, a octanes and gas or something and you have a turbo, you can only use such octane. Well, a soft glass would be, let's say, a certain you know type of octane. You can only use that type of glass with that type of glass. With the boro, you can't mix it with anything else. So you have to stick to just and, that. And who of. kills it in that, that scene? Well, let's say the Starship pretty much. They bring that to a whole other level where they're bringing Boro into the soft glass world. The way you use the tools, the, the sizing of things. Because mm -hmm. in the soft glass world, you can the more traditional type of glass people imagine you do when you say you're a glass blower. We're actually lamp workers that work with a smaller oven usually and a torch. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much it. So the, the Starship's out of Portland? Um, Eugene. Eugene. Yeah. And they're the people who do the coins? Yeah, they do. Or the one coins. of the people? Or do many people do the coins? Uh, they are the ones doing the coins for the art unit okay. value. Now, there's a technique, a Marini technique, where you do pulls and you can do images in the and do slices, polish them, slice and, it up. and call them coins. You call them coins. But these are art units that they do. So they actually have like a monetary value that they're that they represent. You were telling me before, back the first time we met, that you really believed in alternative uh, currencies, yeah. like cr cryptocurrencies, and now you taught me there's glass currencies. Yeah. Or like, I guess art was also currency, and I really like saw my exactly. art like as something that's like value. Of course, you sell art for money, but you don't observe art as money. Yeah. But in this case, these coins are made as like, okay, this coin is a hundred dollars. This little piece of glass. It's minimal, let's say, yeah. now because they're, they're, some are getting older. You got some back there. You, you want to show to the camera sure. as an example? Sure. Are these yeah, all we, from the Starship yeah, or from the... From, yeah, these are all from the Starship. I have other, let's say, coins from friends that are images, but they're not the same type of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, one good for the camera, let's say this one right here. And it has a good message that's fitting also. Mm -hmm. Here you go, Chris. An alternative is possible. Uh -huh. So kind of like Chris was saying how it doesn't have to just be the coins that could be another currency. It could be our art. It could be what we do. It's just that these are handy to put in your pocket, mm -hmm. you know, and and there's usually what a hundred dollars a coin, but there's some that are more. Yeah, this. Started, What's the most of a coin could be? This started as a, a ten art unit. 
It has okay. a nice tin right here. Okay. So it goes for $10 US uh, art unit, pretty much. And so that's one of the older coins. Do they ever go up in value? Like it I'd says say it's 10, but then after like 10 years, it goes up to 100 yeah, or? Type of thing. Well, I hope so. Like most things do. Mm -hmm. um, the newer coins, not all of them have, but you try getting some of the older coins, the rarer coins. Yeah, the values have gone up, you know, and it depends on the, the rarity. And mm -hmm. that well, was after you told me all the coins, I, I started talking with them and I, Awesome. Asked them like you know what it takes to, you know, work with them. Mm -hmm. So it seems like next time I'm in the uh, Portland, Oregon area, yeah, yeah. I will be like collaborating with them on a posse creation coin. That's awesome. Which would be very fun, you know. Yeah. Like why not create more uh, value to the art that I do, but create it through other artists in a different medium? Because I love, uh, as much as I'm not a glass collector because you just can't collect it, everything. And I got enough collections, you know? Right. But I, I admire you. it. I think it's a beautiful piece of art. And I'd love to see my art being recreated by different people. You know? That's cool, man. That's good to hear. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Made that connection. Cool. Uh, so yeah, thank you for teaching me about the coins. Um, so how would you compare, say, like the California scene and the Oregon scene to the Quebec glass scene? like? It's, it seems like totally different worlds doing the same game in a way, but probably differently. From, I don't know the Oregon scene very well because I didn't grow up there, but from what I understand and what I see from the outside, it seems like a tight-knit community that's pretty confident in their abilities and is not looking to yell out, hey, look, I'm here. They know they're there. They, they want to do their thing. A lot of old school cats there. And, uh, and that's respectful, you know? Um, the SoCal scene where I grew up was a little different. It was more like Ken, you were saying earlier, bling, bling, show off. It's kind of, you had to get that out of your system. You know, it's a totally different vibe. And here in Quebec, it's a, uh, it's an unmolded scene, let's say. So I'm looking to inspire the scene with like cool things, positive things, you know, um, artistic things, creative things. Do a lot less people buy glass out here in Canada than, say, in the, than the United States? Well, it's keeping me busy pretty good. Yeah. Thankfully. Because there's less glass blowers, too. There are. Yeah. And there's, you know, different level of glass blowers. Mm -hmm. Some glass blowers are a lot busier than I am. Mm -hmm. They're just pumping glass out, you know. I'm trying to, trying to keep it. I'm not, I haven't dealt with stores much. I dealt with a gallery here in Canada a little bit. They help move some of my fish. And, um, Little shout out, thank you, Ladab, mm -hmm. <laughs> Ladab Gallery. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, you know, some things are in the works, but I got to get out there more. I got to go show them what it is in person because the pictures in two D they don't do it. You don't feel the piece. Mm -hmm. You actually, you know, you have to feel the weight. You have to grab this thing and look at it from different angles. Mm -hmm. See that it it looks different from different ways that you look at it. Right. It's not a typical pipe. You know, it's not a typical recycler or bong or... Mm -hmm. Well, I, I hope you keep on doing good with your, with your pipes. Well, thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you, what's the relationship between people who blow glass and weed smoking? Obviously, there's a relationship because you're creating the tools to yeah. smoke weed. But say, I'm an artist who does psychedelic art, and sometimes I feel like smoking weed. And other times I don't. Mm -hmm. I remember a couple of years ago, one of my students in my in the jungle retreat that I do in Peru was uh, Joey Peterson, who's a big in the oh, glass yeah. scene. Yeah. Uh, he lives in him. he lives in Colorado, and he was really like you know facing his demons and being like, I don't want to smoke so much weed, but everybody around me smokes weed. Like I'm surrounded by this world. Oh, I want to yeah. I want to purify. I want to lose weight. I want to really like become. But the world around me is not very, uh, you know. Yeah. So that was his inner battle. Uh, yeah. What do you have an inner battle with weed, or weed is just nope. kind of part of your like your being? Like, what's your relationship? Yeah, I, with I, I accepted my uh, my thing with cannabis a long time ago. And when you started smoking, I think I, I think that maybe has part of being the way I was brought up. Also, you know, I was accepted for. I don't know. I'm not talking about anybody else. Yeah. I'm just saying about myself mm -hmm. that I was accepted for who I was and I was always comfortable with myself and 
if I like to explore into something, usually my mom would notice, you know, and talk to me about it and be like, what's going on? And, Your parents smoked weed? Um, I found out later, yeah, but it wasn't a thing they did in front of me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't an open thing. It was, uh, you know, I, I figured it out later. I put two and two together and send me to the store to go get stuff, you know, on my skateboard. Mm -hmm. You know, that takes like a good 45 minutes back and forth. Mm -hmm. so things like that. And I respect that. That was cool because it wasn't like, you know, irresponsible. Yeah, because right. they're, you know, they were responsible people. So mm -hmm. they did their thing. And again, I'm not judging other people. It's just that's the way it was. And, so and now you uh you uh are a medical we no now yeah patient? i have been for a long time yeah uh, since, since before since before it got legalized in canada recreationally actually maybe about the same time as canada but i wasn't in canada back then i was still in california so if in canada you can smoke weed recreationally why be a weed patient like what, well, what, what is that because first we're here in quebec you and i and we're not in Ontario. In Ontario, I could understand that being more like, yeah, yeah, cool, whatever, because you can do your four plants in your yard, and that's that's accepted. Here, the Quebec citizen can't do that. You yeah. can't grow plants in Quebec legally. No, you have to have a, a permit to do you so. You need to be a. The only patient. thing you can do legally here is go to the store and buy it. Okay. You know, or grow your own with a. a, a like a prescription yeah you know that you why do you have this you know and you have your reasons the beautiful thing is cannabis isn't just a very specific you know medicine that helps with only one thing it helps with a lot of things mm -hmm. and i've gotten to see the benefits of that you know like over the years from total strangers that come up to you in, in the dispensary and they're like oh you grew this wow man this i've been smoking this for three months since i found it and you guys crying in your arms hugging you so you grow weed that then you sell to dispensaries? Back in, in the day in California, it grew into that. Uh-huh. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Had to throw one in there. So, but um, yeah, it's just a passion also. Um, it was my, let's say, I was talking about moving around a lot earlier. It was my thing, you know, that I could do by myself when I was in a new place and it would like, it would be the familiar thing. It became the familiar thing. It became the the constants in a way, mm -hmm. always there for you. You know, give you that time to reflect. Give me my calm me down as a young, white angry male, I guess. <laughs> now that you're a weed patient, how many plants can you grow? Uh, legally, I could do up to 140 or something, but oh. I don't do that. So that's what. How many grow in your basement? Probably 80 or so that you've seen. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It depends on the time of year and what's going on. And like, are you busy with glass? Are you busy with this? The, are you going to plan a travel, let's say, which is, you know, you don't want to, because that's a lot of stuff to do, man. That's a, it's a lot of work, right? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, I mean, people think it's an easy thing. It does it on its own, but no, you have to take care of it. It's a garden. Plus you got like a high quality standard for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, over the years I've been you know, like I said, passionate about it, and I just didn't accept the norm. So I explored a lot of, you know, I traveled, you know, for it to learn, to, to seminars, all types of things. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of sad coming up to Canada. And when, when I mean, luck in, in a way, the timing, right after I came up here, a few months after, they allowed uh, prescriptions, um, patients medical patients to grow their own again because there's no way that after all the experience i was going to be satisfied with just oh man it's just weed right why are you being so complicated so what is quality weed in your books? i would just what, not what, smoke it if i couldn't have my own <laughs> what, just, what defines for you quality weed potency cleanliness it's a combination of everything you're trying to reproduce how in an ideal situation outdoors in certain parts of the world, it'll grow and grow in special ways. And so, you know, you, there's, it's like, let's say being a coach for a, a, an Olympic, uh, you know, athlete, you, sometimes you gotta be hard on them. Sometimes you gotta know when to back off, you know, you gotta know when to push them you start to calibrate those type of skills and that connection and that other sense where, oh, I think, you know, my, my, my girls need to be watered or something like that, you know. And 
And so it just makes you responsible for things. I think it's a good experience for, it was for me, it is for me to, to ground me, to, mm. to have to, something to take care of. Yeah. So. Well, it's something you got total control of. Like, say, we listen, also want to eat healthy, but we still got to buy it unless we're growing it ourselves. Yeah. But with weed, you got more control, right? It, it, you do. But it gets, it gets complicated because it's alive. It, it's, it's not a piece of wood that you can just put away or a tank of oxygen I can turn off and it, you know, it'll just be there when I want it to be there. You, you start something, you commit, you have to stick to it, you know. It's it like, requires a lot of love. Yeah, it's like getting a dog or something, you know. Well, so. It's like a pet or a child almost. Yeah, yeah. That then you smoke. Amazing. <laughs> kind of, you know, sacrificial a little bit. You're like, I did all this to, to smoke it. Yeah, you did. You know, it's uh So in Canada, they legalized weed like what? Like a year ago, two years ago? Um, like nasty. For me, it's been legal uh, since like three months after I got back, pretty much. Mm -hmm. like I was saying that timing earlier. They, they changed that. like, And uh, so I can't honestly say, can, is there somebody here that could... Back us well, up on that it question, doesn't matter, please. but it's been at least a couple of years. <laughs> a couple we of a, years that that yeah. weed's been legal. October seventeenth, I know that, right? I think it's. I remember going to the movie theater and all the time we could years. smoke a joint outside of the uh, the entrance of the movie theater, as opposed yeah. to going to the back alley like we usually used to do. Yeah. Um, not that I smoke that much, but sometimes even if I'm not smoking, I'll be part of the circle just because my friends are smoking. But uh, what's your opinion? Do you think uh, recreational legalization is good or does that just put weed in the hands of the corporations to milk something that used to be this mm. underground medicine done by the real people doing it with love yeah. that used to make a lot of money in that underground, even though in the risk of being criminals, but now that it's legal, it's being taken away from them. What's your opinion? We all know the music business. So legal weed is like Electra Records. It's like uh, uh, Sony Records. It's it's the big cats that come in and they put an order to it, and everybody gets their, their little job and they do their thing. But right now it's so new and it's so. From what I get from people I know that work in the environment, it's not a very fluid and efficient environment. The connection between management and let's say the laborers, the growers, caretakers, it's not there. There's, there's not that um, awareness of the potential, what the percentage is. Let's say when you're a contractor and you bid a job, you know how much per square foot that it's going to cost to build a certain type of house for a certain type of client that has a certain type of budget. That isn't established that, that well in big quantity cannabis yet. Mm -hmm. So that connection between the two is a real hard thing to do. And people go in as investors that I've been approached by, for example, with, you know, dreams of grandeur. We're going to have the Don Perignon, they all say, for example, and the best stuff. And then all of a sudden, a couple of months start getting involved. And, and they things... start cutting corners. Yeah, yeah. And you, you, there's a simple way of doing it. They just had to listen to me. And they want to, you know, so you back out. You're like, this isn't for me, for example. I'm not going to taint my product i'm not going to dilute it i'm not going to you know and on top of that in the way that things are set up legally here in canada for example signing up for an environment a work environment like that is giving up all your your rights of ownership on your intellectual property oh. uh sometimes on your genetics whatever is brought in to that environment you have to be so it's almost like they're forcing up. you to be the black market if you want to keep your style well i just keep it for myself and i'm happy i'm fine yeah you know yeah i guess you're not the black market if you're growing it for yourself but it's almost like the, the government legalized it but then they didn't know how to like sell it it's like oh we'll make one store downtown and and the lineup is just like two blocks long everyone wants their weed and they're trying to be all legal but yeah. it's like you still go and hit up your homie that was selling yeah. you weed before it was legal because you know it just seems more real and yeah. it's going to a person and I don't, I don't know if it's better or worse weed. That, that's not for me to say. It's sometimes good, sometimes. I haven't been, but uh, people tell me. Uh, they've shown me things, and, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes you can find good things. But there, there's a lot of issues with it. It's a very insecure way of approaching a product where you, ha you can't see it, you can't smell it, where that's what the culture is. That's what we want. We want to know what we're getting. We want to choose 
we don't want to be forced to product that we're consuming like you know we're some idiots that don't know what we're doing that's being renamed to create what some sort of confusion mm -hmm. it's, it's just you know they're getting laughed at they're not getting respect and so is it you know pushing a black market is the black market taking advantage of the situation i'm sure you know there's people with deep pockets that are it's just the game form but you know if you're passionate about it and you want to keep your trade at least we can right now still do our own thing now out in other provinces it's a little more liberal when it comes to that it's just that i don't feel comfortable moving right now i have obligations here so i deal yeah. with the situation you like living here yeah, no. you live in a beautiful place. Yeah, I'm from here, and and it's I'm not fun. giving up on it. Now, I'm hoping what happens is that the states federally legalize, and because the companies, these LPs, they're not having an easy time here. They're so many, and they're investing a lot, and we're only the population of California here, you know, and in Quebec or in, in Canada, Cal in Canada, in Canada entirely, and, it's the same as California. And before this whole legalization thing, you went in California and you, people learned you're a Canadian and they would joke around. They're like, oh, so you grow weed in your garage, huh? <laughs> I'm like, huh? Where'd you get that from? The news. It was like a known thing. Everybody grows weed here, it seems like, mm -hmm. you know, so they're competing with like, it's a plant that you can't like monetize in a way that they're trying to do it you can't you can't control it like that how can i explain it's like they figured out how to do it with the corn they figured out the tomatoes and it's all about genetics and so they create like this standard and so are they legalizing cannabis as we know it or are they legalizing a future version of it that they still haven't found and tweaked yet to be like an ideal of everything for them mm -hmm. doesn't get the bugs it gives so much weed you know, it gets you so things. stoned you can't even think straight anymore. Maybe not. They don't want us that stoned, actually. No. No, no, no. Why? Because it's, it's they want us it's to work mind. well. It's you get used to getting that stone, man, and you, your mind starts to open up. Ah, <laughs> you're you're melting in your chair like I am. Shit. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> so, I believe from the things we've talked before that you're a person who believes in uh, counter narrative from what the mainstream believes uh, yeah. story of how the world is and how things are are you know panning well, out these days how, how do you observe the world these days i've always chosen the hard road <laughs> i find the easy road is possibly a trap filled with temptations and things distractions what is the easy road like the normal life i would say the kind of the normal life in a way the the non question asking life the the going with the just accepting what it is the the narrative you know and just go with the flow and don't make any questions yeah just be happy with what you got you know but that's, and that's not fine you, you like to make questions yeah well i was kind of even when i didn't want the questions i was i was confronted with things that would make me doubt what i was involved with and it was you know legit things you know working an electric company you know uh, doing my job and seeing a, a career worker for them get fired before his retirement because all of a sudden it's like you know budget wise for them to let this guy go as early as possible even fire him so they don't give him his full retirement oh. now, that sucks man you know how are you gonna and i was 19 at that time so how am I going to see that and be like, yay, let's go all so the way. So that's just a microcosm of what's happening in the world. Right. And so I was fortunate enough to see that at a young age. And even when I was trying to get away from it, it would always kind of reappear and I would see those things. Do you think it, that's like a, like a thing where humans are naturally shitty and they just want money? or is it Well, that's the easy way. That's what the, the, the that's like... The easy answer, the easy put your energy in this because you're not really having faith when you do that. You're you're believing in that what they fed you, let's say, and that it's not the person's fault. I've gone through it too. You know, it's a it's a process. It's a shedding. It's a they forced us to you. You know, it's like you're having to all of a sudden wake up and like, oh, okay, fuck. So I act like this because of that you know and all these things and those things are precious and you want to remember those times and you don't want to you know 
let's say, call it recreational. Because medicine, it's not meant to feel good and be recreational. Mm -hmm. You know, it's meant to digest and make you think and, whoa, okay, maybe I wasn't a good person last week when I decided to react like that. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. And that's important. We need that. You know, but back to the state of the world, how do you see the world these days? We're like in COVID year. Some people yeah. say that, you know, all these restrictions are bullshit and just a way to take away freedoms from the people under the excuse of saving the weak. Or maybe that's the right thing to do because we should be a compassionate humanity. What's your point of view, not only on COVID, but just on the way that the government is acting both in Canada, United States and the world? Like what's going on yeah. from your point of view? I think that the we're not seeing enough of the people that have that faith and the confidence and that things are going to be okay. And we're seeing too much of the, the trying to, you know, like, oh, what's going on and the fear and all that stuff. And that's too bad. It's like that, you know, and, and we have to know what's going on. So we have to tune in sometimes, but we have to know how to tune out of it too. Cause it's gonna, it's gonna mess with us, man. Right. We become sensitive as artists, you know, and be able to create and be able to, to, you know, speak and hold on to that moment. Because like, for me, it takes a long time to do this. I can't just, you know, sit there with a bunch of ideas going through all the time and be able to do them all in the day. So I have to commit, you know, and with with all those things in perspective, you know, you have to be able to to shut off sometimes. And yeah, you and, can't be focusing on the negative aspects of the world yeah, nonstop, yeah. or it will consume you. Yeah, and so in those times, it, it's a privilege to come out with a product, let's say that you know you can put that energy into in a positive way, so that the next person that'll take care of it, they'll do the same thing. It'll just keep on building like some little force field that starts building on it. Right. So. Whoever you sell this to will be happy about it. You're bringing positivity in your life. So it's important for you yeah. to vibrate positivity to channel into your work. Yeah, because I also do it with the intent, which is what I learned when I was doing growing medicine in California for, for people, is it's important, the intent that you put into your, your, your product that you're you're part of creating in a way, the way I have to see things, you know, because there's an, a live factor besides myself involved. So I was always seen that intent really important from the beginning to the end. And so that the energy just is there for the next person to do what they need to do with. If they need to absorb it, cool. But if they can like say with the glass, maintain it, and put more into it because you can do that with this stuff. It's not a consumable. It's like an artifact in a way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Then the next person, it just keeps building up. And I see them as caretakers. So when they give me, let's say, money, it's because it's allowing me to go and do that for other people more. Mm -hmm. You know, to go get more materials, to pay my bills, all that stuff, and do more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about it. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of our interview. Okay. Uh, would you have some final words of wisdom or something you'd like to share with our viewers today? Mm. Boy, <laughs> um, I didn't really write anything down, but it's uh, I'm just going to go. Thank you, Academy. Yeah, thank you, Academy. I'll just go go with it like that. That it's important to uh, you know not be scared and have confidence in what you believe in and. As long as it's a good, you know, positive thing for everybody around you that you'll get the benefit from it. And if you feel that you have nothing to hide and you can share that, usually it's a positive thing, you know. If you feel you got to hide it and, you know, it's a, yeah, it's an iffy thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, well, thank yeah. you so much for having me at your home, man. It's always fun to come here. Oh, man. Blessings. Good. Good. Until yeah, next time that we see each other. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today to Chris Dyer's Creative Friends. I hope you had fun in this lovely conversation. I learned a lot. I don't know so much about glass blowing, so still, uh, you know, learning. So I'm very grateful to Tony Oak Locoboro. And uh, yeah, so please like this episode, comment if you want, if you got any opinions, uh, share it, subscribe, etc., etc. I love you. Till next week, I'll see you soon. Peace. Next week, my guest will be Valerie Lambert.
we needed to paint um, a self-portrait, mm -hmm. which everybody should do. It doesn't matter whether you're a good drawer or not. It's very healing to look at yourself in a mirror for days in a row mm -hmm. and to draw yourself. And usually the drawing that you make of yourself is more you than the physical you right now. <laughs> it's like your soul portrait, where your physical body means your, meets your soul. And I'm happy to hear that you already have plans for the future to keep on yeah, doing uh, I have to. art. I, I have to. Yeah, you're really good. I think you should. But, but even if I wasn't, right? It, it's not about sure. being good. It's just about it's needed in this world. Right. It's too sterile. And uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's just I have to do it. So make sure to subscribe, like, and everything else. Big thanks and see you next week. Peace.